the actual game when it matters. We're talking about practice. Welcome to the first episode of Talk About Practice. I'm your host, Murs, part owner of the Family Mart Podcast. Shout out to my producers, Chris and Jay, for being behind the lens and making sure they hooking me up with them king vibes. All right, this show is something that they actually wanted me to do uh, for quite some time now and, you know, just talk about some sports takes. Uh, we're going to have some fun. I hope you guys enjoy. Let's get right into it. Some notable updates from this past weekend. Uh, Israel Adesanya loses by TKO to Alex Pereira. Two minutes into the fifth round. So now Alex Pereira is the new undisputed middleweight champion of the world. I've always wanted to do that. In just his fourth fight with the promotion. That's crazy. Imagine fighting for like, it's like your fourth UFC fight, bro, and you win the belt. And then and then you beat Izzy. Like the he's like the main cat. However, Alex Pereira has won twice against Adesanya in kickboxing matches. It was kind of crazy, though, because I thought Adesanya was actually winning the whole fight. Referee Mark Goddard stops it after like a melee of punches. And Adesanya actually thinks that he stopped it too soon. We're definitely going to see these two fight again in the UFC. It could go either way the second time, but Alex is a beast. Um, I'm not sure if you saw the fight, Jay. Izzy was pretty much winning that thing. Moving on, let's get into some NBA. MB, Joel MB, my guy, drops 59 points on the Utah Jazz uh, as they took the dub, 105-98. Like, one thing about MB, bro, is if, if that dude gets the ball in the pinch post, it's a wrap. He's going to square up. He's like the triple threat god. He's going to, like, he, he'll either just jab step you and pull up for the mid-range. He'll put the ball on the ground and hit you with the uh, or he could take you to the basket. And his pick-and-roll game is nasty, too. I mean, you got a seven-footer coming at you like Embiid, setting the screen, and he's rolling to the basket. It's going it's, it's to be an alley-oop. You know, so the help side got to be there. You know, maybe take a charge if you want to take a charge on him. But one player that I definitely want to shout out from the Sixers is Tyrese Maxey. About five games ago, Harden was out on injury with a right foot tendon strain. And Tyrese Maxey has definitely been stepping up. I seen him play at um, Summer League a couple years ago. It was his second season in the NBA. And I went I, I went to see him because I wanted to see how he does. Because I knew his his rookie year, he was doing pretty good. But, you know, Ben Simmons was on the team and he was kind of like basically just a uh, backup, just kind of learning the league. But when he was playing in summer league, this dude was straight up dominating. His pick and roll offense game is elite. I'm really happy for him. I hope the Sixers keep him on the roster. Uh, he's definitely a type of player that could lead the Sixers to a championship as a point guard. Um, and he also could be trade bait. Give him a good contract, man. Pay the guy. OK, pay my guy Maxi. He's doing a good job. Also scoring 50-plus points over the weekend is Darius Garland, the fifth pick in the 2019 draft from Vanderbilt. Check this out. Like I had 10 threes. And the crazy thing about it is if you were watching the game, he was just snatching you, double step back. You know, all these players are doing double step back nowadays. Three-point shot. Definitely a talented player, man. Shouts to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think they definitely came up uh, with the acquisition of Donovan Mitchell. And uh, with Garland and Mitchell, I think they're just probably, you know, one of the, the, the league's top backcourt on the East. So definitely keep your eyes peeled for Cleveland. Let's get to the NFL, man. Yesterday, we had some uh, some pretty amazing games. One game that I definitely want to bring out is the Vikings and Bills game. Vikings won 33-30 to in overtime. The loss put the Bills 6-3, third in the AFC East behind the Dolphins. 
if you guys saw this game, they're saying that it's game of the year. You know, there, there's we're a little bit over halfway through the season. I think there's still a lot of football left, but this definitely takes the cake for one of the top games of the year. We could just fast forward straight to the to the mess. All right. So 44 seconds left, fourth and goal in the fourth quarter. Vikings have the ball like on the one yard line. The Bills stop them on fourth and goal and they get the ball back. So at this point, Buffalo's winning 27 to 23. Okay, 44 seconds left. All they had to do was get a couple yards out, run the clock, and the game was done. However, on the snap, there was a fumble, and defensive player Eric Kendricks from the Vikings recovers the ball in the end zone, and they score, going up 30-27 to on Buffalo. If you guys remember the Chiefs and Bills divisional playoff game in 2021, you'll understand that 30 seconds is nothing for Josh Allen. He'll get the ball into the end zone. In this case, he didn't get it to the end zone, but he did get the ball further down the field so that way they can get a field goal. It ended up going to overtime. The Vikings did score a field goal first, and then they ended up intercepting the ball in the end zone. So, shouts to the Vikings, man. I did not think that they'd be this good, to be real with you. I mean, you know, they got Justin Jefferson, uh, who actually had 193 yards, 10 catches, and a touchdown. Um, and but they're balling. And and same with the Bills. You know, there was like a little wide receiver battle between Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs. People are calling it game of the year. It was definitely a good game. I want to see how the rest of the season plays out. But uh, it was exciting to watch. The other overtime game of the weekend, uh, Packers and Cowboys. Uh, definitely a game where everyone thought the Cowboys were going to win. Um, Aaron Rodgers was kind of looking like his normal self and, and even Tony Pollard from the Cowboys. But he's been balling all season. But the biggest thing that I think we should t- talk about is Dallas Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy, uh, former head coach of the Green Bay Packers, had a chance to put his, put, uh, put his former team back in the pine box on fourth and four on the 35 with like six minutes left in overtime. This fool decides to go for it when he could have just kicked it and took the points and then relied on his defense to win them the game. Uh, instead, they go for it. Nothing happens. This fool takes off his, his his headphones and throws it on the ground like he's pissed, like his team should have got the yards. Uh, whoever is doing the analytics for that that game, uh, I'm pretty sure they were like, yo, Mike, just, just kick this shit because we have a better chance of getting the points than us getting four yards. He didn't listen, and he knew it. I think that's why he was mad. Um, but, hey, when you're a coach, man, sometimes you go off the vibe of the game and you might feel like we can get this. I feel it. I used to do it in Madden. I don't think I ever punted. I don't think I ever did a field goal in Madden. And I think Mike McCarthy was on that level. So I'm not a fan of Mike McCarthy, but I feel you, dog. Like Sometimes you just got to go for it. In this case, you took the L to the Packers, which you shouldn't have. Um, so now the Packers got three wins. I think they're three and six now. So uh, shouts to the Packers, man. Speaking of head coaches calling the game, Jeff Saturday, the new interim head coach for the Indianapolis Colts, took the field for the first time ever uh, as, a, as a coach in the NFL, and they beat the Raiders 25-20. to 20. And this is uh, something that's kind of hit the waves for, for people in the NFL because Jeff Saturday has no coaching credentials at all, um, at least professionally or in the collegiate level. His coaching pretty much goes high school. He's coached three years in Georgia at Hebron Christian Academy. So he's not necessarily like the coach that people thought they would pick up after firing uh, Reich. 
it put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. I know Bill Cowher called it travesty. Uh, he said it was a disgrace to coach to to the coaching profession. Um, and I feel him. I mean, there's guys on the coaching staff that could have taken the position, um, especially in in the temperature of the NFL. Uh, not hiring enough minority coaches. I think it definitely was a spit in the face. Uh, however, the Colts owner Jim Ursay was ahead of the hiring. They were saying that uh, executives like Pete Ward and and the general manager Chris Ballard they tried to talk him out of it. You kind of think about it like this: you know, when you hire a coach, you want someone that's that's going to control the locker room, right? That's going to build a winning culture. And then when you get somebody like Jeff Saturday, who uh, it, Right now, he's a, before this, he was a sports analyst. It makes you think, like, what was the real reason that they hired this guy? Can he handle the, the play calling? You know, they actually fired their offensive coordinator who was doing a lot of the play calling. If you want to look at it this way, um, yeah, it probably was a very risky hiring. And also, I think that uh, it was a spit in the face to a lot of coaches that are in the league that could have taken his, his place, that have been putting in the time and the effort. You kind of got to look at it like how I look at it is give him a chance. Maybe they're trying something new. Maybe they're trying something different because he's not completely like a non-NFL dude. This ain't just a, a, a nobody. He's a Super Bowl champion. He was the center for Peyton Manning, so he understands offense. Uh, he was a two-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, and he was a six-time Pro Bowler. So the guys played football. Okay, so he, he understands the game. He just never coached before at that level. So I understand why people, you know, get mad because they feel like other people should have got up there. But they didn't just pick a nobody up. Okay, so, yeah, he probably didn't do good in high school, but I don't know nothing about this high school. They could have been like a mediocre team or they could have been a, a, a high school team that never won games before he got there. So I think that they should, you know, people should give him a chance. Uh, this isn't the first time the NFL actually hired coaches that have never coached in the league before. One of the most recent ones was Urban Meyer. He's never coached in the NFL. Uh, he's you know known for his uh, coaching in the college level. He coached at Bowling Green, uh, Utah, Florida, and Ohio State before getting the head coaching job with the Jaguars. However, when he took over, he wasn't able to control the locker room. I know he has something against the kicker because I think he kicked the kicker. So that was something that was that was crazy. He was saying wild shit on on his his press conferences uh, and he didn't even make it through a full season. I think his record was two and 11 before they fired him. And uh, so that's not a good example of somebody that's never uh, come to the league and play. Can he coach football? I'm pretty sure he can. You know, he's 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 a successful college coach, you know, but you're coaching kids, uh, kids that are like happy to be there, happy they got a scholarship to play. So it's a little different when you're coaching men who have million dollar contracts. It's a little different to control that locker room, especially if you've never played in the NFL or if you've never coached. But again, Jeff Saturday has playing experience. So I think with him as a as a offensive line player, which is probably what the Colts really needed, he was able to probably control the locker room. Now, we don't know. It's it's still early. It's just one game. We don't know how it's going to go, but I think that he was able to do that. Now, I get it. They're playing the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders aren't great, uh, even though it looks like they should be winning every game, but they're not. This was a game that probably people thought the Colts were going to lose. Like I'm pretty sure Raiders fans were going into into the stadium like, bro, we about to get this. They The Colts, like, who? That's what I'm saying, who? So, 
But they're walking knowing that, man, any given Saturday at this point. But there was a good example for a coach who's never been in the NFL that actually did well. And you guys know his name. His name is Jimmy Johnson. He coached for the Dallas Cowboys, and he got two Super Bowls with him. Jimmy Johnson never played or coached in the NFL. He played college football at the University of Arkansas. He was a defensive lineman. He actually played with Jerry Jones, okay, who's the Dallas Cowboys owner now. I didn't even know Jerry Jones played football. He looked like he might break. That dude touched a football, bro. <laughs> imagine, yo, imagine like being, if I was, if I was playing for the, if I was C.D. Lamb and like I see Jerry Jones, I would like throw the football. Like, hey, hey, catch. You know what I'm saying? And see what he does. He probably could catch. I mean, he's a foot, football player, so, and he's the owner of a Cowboys, so I'm, I'm not going to talk too much mess. He got bread, but it's funny, man. Anyway, Jimmy Johnson, uh, his, his coaching trail, assistant coach at Louisiana Tech. He was assistant coach at Iowa State. He was a, posi- a positions coach at Oklahoma. Uh, assistant head coach and defensive coordinator, assistant head coach and defensive coordinator at Pittsburgh before getting his first head coaching job at Oklahoma State. And then he became the head coach at the University of Miami, Go Canes. You already know what time it is. They won the 1987 National Championship. And then he became the head coach for the Dallas Cowboys after that, whom Jerry Jones was the owner for before getting that job. So now you kind of think, is it nepotism? Like, you know, like, that's my boy. We play college ball together. Let's get him up there. I'm pretty sure back then people were like, why did he get Jimmy Johnson? But he, but he was coaching. He was coaching college, but he never coached the NFL. And I'm pretty sure people nowadays can say after the fact, you know, because like hindsight is always 2020. They can say that Jimmy Johnson was a great hire for the Cowboys. And I think he was the second coach at the time, to coach the Cowboys. He was the second hire, period. So there's a lot of things that we could say about Jeff Saturday um, and the Indianapolis Colts owner, the their executives, uh, their front office. Was it the right thing to do? We don't know yet, okay? But I think we should give this guy a chance. Um, again, I understand the sentiments from people saying, like, there's other coaches that have been putting in blood, sweat, and tears. They haven't got their chances yet. Uh, again, the NFL's temperature when it comes to hiring minority coaches, this is probably a bad a bad thing to do, per se, but we don't know. So a lot of times the questions that we should ask, again, in my opinion, is can he control the locker room? Can he get these guys to rally around him and play for him? Uh, what culture can he cultivate? Can he bring a winning culture? Even if they're not winning, can he have that culture with the players to where, hey, we're all in this together no matter what. There's no individualities. There's none of that. Can he handle the play calling is another one. Uh, I look at head coaches almost like music producers. Like sometimes, I mean, you have, you have your offensive coordinator, you have your defensive coordinator, you have your special teams coach, you got your assistant coaches, and you got your position coaches. You got a lot of people that are you know controlling this team. So he might be able to produce wins because he knows how to get his coaches to coach and and also like who's to say like why can't he just go ask somebody like yo what should we do in this position right everyone got the got got their headpieces on like what should we do here what should we what like what's the analytic analytics telling us you know and i mean matt ryan uh it is what it is but matt ryan has some experience he could do some of the play calling as well right so i think they should give him a chance let, the, let him get the chance, and we'll see what he does. Again, he's just the interim head coach. Uh, you know, he might not be there next year. 
who knows? Right now, he's undefeated as an NFL head coach. Uh, he's doing better than a lot of coaches this year. There's only uh, two people uh, that call plays that are undefeated, and Jeff Saturday's one, and the other one is Jalen Hurts. So we'll see what happens, man. Shouts to Jeff Saturday. Uh, I'm excited to see what he does. And uh, and if he fails, he fails. Because uh, after that, we, we're not going to remember. We don't even remember who won the Super Bowl three years ago. Do it right now. See? Told you can't. Nah, it's, it's hard, bro. I'm telling you, it's hard. Moving on, man. Some other weird shit that's been going on. But I don't think it's weird. But we'll, we'll see what you guys think. Blake Martinez of the Las Vegas Raiders uh, defensive line retires just a few days ago he calls it quits uh he's played seven seasons in the nfl uh it was kind of weird because he had just played when they just played the jaguars in week nine he had 11 tackles so he was doing pretty good and he retired he put on his instagram page he said i've chosen to step away from this career at this time to focus on my family and future passions future passions that's a key because Days before he retires, he sells a Pokemon card for $672,000, according to the sources that we found on the internet. What I saw was like, it was, it was a Pokemon card with Pikachu on it, and it had a mint rating of 9.5 by CGC Trading. So it was, apparently it was the rarest card. So what a lot of people are saying is that he left the league, he probably wasn't getting paid as much as selling Pokemon cards. So why go through all the stress that your body goes through? Why go through all the traveling so you don't see your family and your kids when you could just be at home all day opening, opening up Pokemon cards and selling them and making money? Like, I don't see anything wrong with that, honestly. And shit, he played for the Raiders, bro. Like, they weren't doing anything this year anyway except him, like, putting his body on the line. So... I think this is actually a pretty cool story because I probably would have did the same thing. I probably would have ended up selling Pokemon cards and retiring from the NFL if I was making a lot more money. Because at the end of the day, there's two things that you need to do in life. One, and this goes for everybody in the world. One, take care of your body for longevity. And two, make the most money. And when you make the most money, you have to work the least while doing it. So, shouts to Blake Martinez. I wish him all the luck uh, with him and his family and his Pokemon cards. Uh, damn, I wish I, I kept mine. I'm pretty sure there's, I probably, with because I had like two binders. I don't know about you, Jay. I had like two binders. It wasn't that much. I used to steal them from kids, too. Damn. Yeah, we had, I hate to say that, but we had, <laughs> we had like a little play, like, like the homie be trying to trade. I just go in his book and just start taking. <laughs> My bad, man. I, was, I wasn't the best kid. But I, I probably had at least like 50, 50 grand in my, my two binders, bro. Like how many did you have? Did you collect Pokemon cards? Yeah, I, I probably had I probably had maybe 30 grand by now. Damn, and 30. Pokemon, I also had two binders stolen from me. <laughs> so it's probably you, dog. <laughs> right. So, no, I didn't take it from the family, bro. I didn't take it from the family, bro. Shouts to Blake Martinez, man. Yo, keep selling the Pokemon cards, bro. What do you think? Would you uh, would you leave the game? To, yeah, to for the same them. reasons yeah. for my health, um, uh, and I get to work on something I'm maybe a bit more passionate about at the time. Yeah, it, was, it sounds like I read the story. It sounds like he went back to like his his roots. Yeah, you know, I went through his Instagram page uh, today, and I'm just you know he's definitely into Pokemon cards, man. That's his thing. So, shouts to Blake Martinez. Shouts to his wife. This is what Tom Brady should have did. 
Let's get to it. This is what Tom Brady should have did, bro. Tom Brady should have left after he won the ring and made his wife happy. Because he had, bro, my man was on top of the world. He won six Super Bowls with the New England, New England Patriots. And Tom Brady had a good time winning that last Super Bowl. He was drunk on the boat. You know, I'm pretty sure he smashed his wife after. And I'm pre- I like, again, I don't know what, what their marital issues was. And I don't, I don't like to guess. But I'm, if I had to take a guess, I'm pretty sure it was because he chose football over his family. And people could say, man, you know, she needs to support him and all that. But at some point, you got to understand that you're already a Hall of Famer. You've done everything. You've won. You came back from the Falcons. Like, that's a, a crazy Super Bowl win. You've done it all. Do your wife. Make her happy every single night. You probably still have her. But maybe he wants the single life. Who knows? Maybe he was the one that was like, man, I'm, I'm done with you. I'm, I wanted to kind of do my own thing. But. Shouts to Blake Martinez. I don't know how, you know what I'm saying? Shouts to Blake Martinez, Pokemon cars. Let's get to the picks of the week, man. Let's get to the picks of the week. So we record the show every Monday and then we post it on Tuesdays. So I'm good. Right now, the Monday night football game hasn't happened, but by the time that you guys see this, uh, it will. So we'll see if I'm right or I'm wrong, but we will give you guys some picks that you could, that you could use uh, throughout the week. So tonight's game the Washington Commanders are in Philadelphia playing the Eagles. The Eagles are favored to win by 11 points. Uh, the total is 43 and a half. The Eagles uh, for week 10, according to ESPN, have the number one defense. This should be an easy, the easy win for them, right? But again, we're betting and we're trying to see if they're going to cover. The first time they played, the score, I believe, was 24 to 8. Uh, again, the, the Eagles were predicted to win um, by at least five points, and I think the over-under was 47 and a half. So I, I think it's going to be kind of the same result, uh, but different QB for, for the commanders. Instead of uh, Carson Wentz under center, it's going to be Taylor Heineke. Uh, Jalen Hurts has an over-under of one and a half passing touchdowns. Uh, I think it's going to go over. I think Jalen Hurts is going to get two touchdowns, and he's probably going to run one in. Um. And A.J. Brown, over under of 26 and a half yards for longest reception. Uh, I like it. I like it. What do you think about that one, Jay? I like it, but it is kind of, that's a lot for one catch. I think he could do it. He had like three the other weekend for going for touchdowns. Yeah. So I think he could do it. Yeah. So it's, I like it. It is kind of long, A-yo, hey. but, <laughs> but I think he could do that. So last game, Jalen Hurts had three touchdowns. Uh, so I think he's going to get three. Two of them are going to be passing. One's going to be a rush. And uh, I think Heineke's going to throw for one interception and throw for one touchdown. So again, I think the Eagles will cover minus 11. Score will be 26-13, and they'll go under 43.5 points. Uh, for Thursday night football, we got the Titans and Packers. Packers are at home. They're favored to win by three points, and the uh, total is 42. I personally think that uh, the Titans are going to cover here plus three. Um, if not win, I'll probably sprinkle a little bit. Um, I just think Derrick Henry is probably going to run run all over these fools. Um, but I think it's going to be under 42. Final score, 19 to 17. It's going to be a close game, I think, tomorrow, which is the day that you listen to this. The Knicks will be playing the Jazz in Utah. The Jazz are 
favored to win by four points, and the total is 230. Uh, both of these teams are, are playing pretty good. The, the Knicks, they're, they can cover. I don't think they've been covering like they did last year. I think the Jazz could definitely win. Um, they're definitely going to win, but I think they're going to cover by four points. Uh, Jordan Clarkson is going to go off. Markinen is going to go off. Colin Sexton is going to go off. And Malik Beasley's probably going to go off, off off the bench. Uh, and they have no injuries. Uh, so the Knicks, I just don't think they're going to be able to put it together. It might be a close game. I think the Jazz can win by at least three baskets. I'm predicting the score 118, 110. Uh, take the under, 230. All right, and that's all we got for today for talking about practice. If you guys have any feedback or anything that you want to see or any stories that you'd rather uh, listen to, definitely put it down in the comments. Or if there's any picks that you like, go ahead and comment them. Thanks for watching. See you guys next week. We're talking about practice. Oh. I feel like I haven't moved. <laughs> I've been in the same oh. position the whole time, yo. Perfect.